Hello again, everyone. It's great to be here. So before I begin with my sermon for today, which will be in John 10, verses 1 through 21, if you'd like to follow along, I'd love to pray for us. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of this day. We are reminded that every day is a reminder that your mercies are new every morning. And every day is a reminder that you are present with us and that you want to draw near and closer to us. So Lord, I pray as we dive into John today that we will open ourselves up to your presence, that we will ask, seek, and knock in the ways that you are calling us to ask, seek, and knock. Lord, I pray as I preach in John today that I will move out of the way so your Holy Spirit can work. I just pray, oh Lord, that we will all respond to you as our good shepherd in a new way. May we know what it means to cling to you, to hold on to you, and lay our lives down at the foot of the cross so that we may follow you faithfully and obediently. So Lord, I just pray that you guide our time right now, and Lord, may this service just be an offering for you. May our words just glorify you. Um, May my words glorify you, and Lord, I just give you the sermon as an offering. So, Lord, we love you, and we pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so to begin, I'm going to invite us to do something a little different. I'm going to invite us to use our imaginations a little bit because I believe imagination helps center us in the text and consider how we can relate and connect to people and events. So, first of all, I want you to imagine you are a sheep in a sheepfold with about 30 other sheep, which I know is hard to imagine because we are all people and we are not sheep, but I want you to try something different and imagine that you're a sheep. So you are a sheep and you realize you are hungry and thirsty, but all you can see in front of you is a stream with a fast moving current. Goodness, if you were to venture over there, you surely would be swept away by the currents and you would surely drown because of the weight of your wool. So you find yourself in a bit of a predicament. How in the world are you supposed to satisfy your thirst and your hunger? As you desperately look upon the lush green pastures around you, you wonder if it's safe to venture outside of the sheepfold. Suddenly, you notice an intruder. You have never seen this person before. He smiles at you and beckons you to follow him. Even though he is smiling, you're not sure if you trust him. You sense bad intentions behind the smile. And as a group of sheep begins to follow the man, you notice he is leading them toward the rushing waters that you are trying to avoid. You know it's not safe. So you don't want to follow him. Then you see another person entering the sheepfold. But this time you don't feel nervous or scared because you know this human. He is the shepherd of the sheepfold. Time and time again, he has helped you find the freshest water and the greenest grass. You know his voice, his demeanors, his smiles, his unique calls. You know that when he beckons you out of the sheepfold, he truly cares about you and wants to make sure you get what you need. So without hesitation, you ignore the voice of the intruder and you follow the good shepherd. So now we're going to continue using our imaginations, and I want us to picture something different. So now I want you to imagine that you are in first century Jerusalem. I know this is a stretch. We're in rural Illinois, but I want us to dive in in a new way a little bit. 
So you're in first century Jerusalem, and you are Jewish, so you are very familiar with God's law in the Old Testament. You've been studying it your whole life. And your whole life has been preparing for the coming of the Messiah, the one who will redeem the Jewish people from the oppression and control of the Roman Empire, the true king who will deliver your people and deliver all of humanity. As you are walking in one of the marketplaces, you notice a group of Pharisees, religious leaders, talking in hushed tones. You can't make out all of what they are saying, but these pieces stick out to you. Demon-possessed and raving mad, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Confused, you linger in a corner, trying to make sense of what is happening. You hear continued talk of a teacher from Nazareth called Jesus, who has just addressed many of your Jewish friends and family about shepherds and sheep. But why would a good teacher be talking about shepherds and sheep? After all, you and your Jewish friends and family own sheep. How is this significant, and why would a teacher be talking about this? And then you hear information that blows your mind. This teacher claims to be the son of God. You struggle to make sense of this. A teacher who claims to be the son of God, a teacher who claims to be the Messiah, it's clear that some of the religious leaders are upset about this and are calling it blasphemous. But what if this teacher truly is the son of God? What if this teacher truly is the Messiah? And you also hear from the Pharisees that this Jesus just healed a man who had been blind all of his life. There is a lot to process here, and ultimately you are left with the question, who is Jesus, and how can I learn more about him? Friends, we may have similar questions as the characters in these imaginative illustrations. Why is Jesus, the good shepherd, worth following? And this is the question I want us to answer together today. For the past few months, your congregation has been on a journey through 1 Peter with a focus on the theme of passing through the world as sojourners. As we think about passing through the world as sojourners, as we are people called to make disciples, as we are people called to the Good Shepherd, spoiler alert, we are reminded of the need for our Good Shepherd, Jesus. As your speaker today, I want to invite you to identify where you need help in your life. Do you need healing? Do you need guidance? Do you need to be reminded that you are not alone? Because no matter how we are coming into this space, we all have an area of need. We all have an area of longing. Even if we don't know, we have an area of need or longing. So no matter how you are coming into this space, I believe Jesus wants to meet you where you're at. As we go through the text of Jesus as our good shepherd, let's keep this question at the back of our minds. Why is Jesus our good shepherd? At the end of this talk, I believe Jesus has a next step for all of us here. So let's dive in together. So before I dive into the text, I'm going to share a little bit about where we have been in the Gospel of John. And if you were at Sunday school this morning, you got a little bit of a precursor in the Gospel of John. So we know that John was written by John, one of Jesus' disciples, and John's themes center in who Jesus is. And John has many connections to the Old Testament because John's purpose and aim is to show that Jesus is the Messiah that God's people have been waiting for for generations and generations and generations. 
Before this passage, Jesus has just called the Pharisees out in a situation with a man who had been blind since birth. And after Jesus heals the man, he reveals himself as the Son of Man, God's Messiah. But the Pharisees, as we talked about in the illustration, are resistant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. They see Jesus as a fraud and a sinner, which leads us into John 10. The Pharisees are in a place where they're closed off to God's movement right in front of them. The image of Jesus as the good shepherd is one of the most important images in scripture, among one of the most important images in scripture. And as we study the Bible more intensively, we begin to notice how shepherding is not unique to the Gospel of John. Rather, it is a foundational and crucial part of the overarching scripture narrative. Just look at Ezekiel. If we look at Ezekiel 34, we see a theme of false shepherds failing God's people. And so God's people, the the Jewish people, and later the Gentiles are in this place where they've seen this pattern of corruption, this pattern of bad shepherds, false shepherds. So they are longing for a good shepherd. And this is the context Jesus enters into. And this is the reason why Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. So the stark piece we are going to focus on today is what it means that Jesus is our good shepherd. So what does it mean that Jesus is a shepherd? After all, aren't shepherds lowly and unimportant as we look at the Middle Eastern context here? Why would Jesus, fully God and fully human, define himself as the good shepherd? So let's dive into this together. So we're going to start with John 10, verses 1 to 6. So if we look at this section, we see the theme that the sheep need to know the true shepherd since the false shepherds will try leading them astray. In the beginning, we see that Jesus is addressing the Pharisees who believe they fully understand, live out, and follow God's law. Not all of the Pharisees were self-righteous, but many of them were. And Jesus calls them out in order to fully lead them to accepting him as the Messiah. In this section, Jesus illustrates that anyone who does not enter the sheep pen but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. He also makes it clear that the one who enters by the gate is the true shepherd of the sheep. The reason why Jesus explains it this way is because the people who claim to be shepherds are keeping the sheep from entering the gate that will lead them to the green pastures they need. Because if we look at the context, if we dive into sheep and their needs, sheep needed green pastures to survive. They also needed still waters to survive. Otherwise, their wool would cause them to drown if they tried drinking the water without guidance. There is a lot of power in Jesus contrasting himself to the false shepherds in this passage. The Jewish people, as we talked about earlier, have been hurt by false shepherds time and time again, and they are longing for a good king to lead them into wholeness and life. But all they have received are kings who only care about power and taking advantage of the people. All they have received are false shepherds that think they have the answers to everything. And Jesus also illustrates that a true shepherd, a good shepherd, deeply cares about the sheep. A good shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And he goes ahead of the sheep to check for danger and to ensure the sheep arrive at the green pastures and the still waters. And this passage is the direct contrast of the bad shepherding of the Pharisees. So not only is Jesus engaging with false shepherds in the Old Testament, but he's also calling the Pharisees out, and they don't like that a bit. And if we look at verses 5 and 6, we see that the sheep will not follow a stranger. They only follow when they recognize someone's voice. 
So now let's skip ahead to verses 7 to 13. And in this section, we see the theme that along with the false shepherds, the hired hands, robbers, and thieves also lead the sheep astray. Jesus is making it clear here that those who have come before him to lead the sheep are in the same category as thieves and robbers or people who manipulate and steal life from the sheep. And Jesus shows that the good shepherd is the one who alone brings abundance and true life. The thieves and the robbers do not care about the sheep and they bring harm to the sheep. They manipulate, they destroy, they sneak through the gate. They don't merely snatch goods, but they take the lives of the sheep. And starting in verse 11, Jesus identifies and reveals himself as the good shepherd. He provides a definition of what a good shepherd truly is. And his definition is a direct paradox to the crowd's understanding of what a shepherd is. And if we skip ahead to verse 12, we see that the hired hands, while disguised as a shepherd, are only concerned for the benefits of taking care of the sheep. They don't own the flock, nor do they know the flock. They only care about what the sheep can do for them. And they are self-serving. They only care about what's in it for them. And at any sign of danger, they will flee and leave the sheep at once. And with the hired hands, we see that the wolves attack and scatter the sheep. And as soon as the hired hands see the wolves, rather than living up to their roles of protecting the sheep, they immediately flee out of fear and selfishness. By sharing about the hired hands and the wolves, Jesus is directly connecting to what a false shepherd is. And then he provides the definition of what a good shepherd is. So now let's skip to the last part of the text, verses 14 to 21. And in this part of the text, we see that Jesus is inviting his sheep into intimacy with him. So we, in this section, we see the verse, I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. We see Jesus is reminding the crowds of the depth and beauty of the good shepherd knowing and loving the sheep. As a result, the sheep know the way to abundance. Jesus is both the shepherd and the gate. And the love of the good shepherd is so deep that the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. It is a beautiful image, picture, and reflection of Jesus' intimate relationship with God the Father, and it is an invitation for all listeners to step into that relationship. Jesus places emphasis on how the good shepherd brings both the sheep and the sheep who are foreigners, which in this case would have been the Jews and the Gentiles, because we see that Jesus is breaking down the barriers between Jews and Gentiles throughout scripture into the flock. And with this, the good shepherd laid, lays down his life of his own accord since he has the authority from God the Father. While all of what Jesus is preaching is in the will and the word of God, the Jews were divided in their response to Jesus, and some believe him to be demon-possessed and raving mad. In this passage, Jesus clearly defines the difference between false shepherds and the good shepherd, as we've talked about. In his teaching, Jesus is directly calling the people and the crowds to respond. After all, they are the sheep, and he is the good shepherd. He's not throwing that metaphor around for no reason. He is showing them, you are my sheep, and I am the good shepherd. So now that we've we've gone deeper with the text together, we might be asking the question, 
what does it mean that Jesus is the good shepherd? What does that mean for us? We've talked about it in the context of Jesus' Jesus's listeners in the Gospel of John, but now let's talk about what it means for us. In this text, we see that Jesus brings the sheep to green pastures unmarred by predators and enemies that will kill the sheep. And he brings the sheep to still waters that won't drown the sheep or weigh them down. And when the sheep follow the shepherd, they are guaranteed abundance and life. Jesus is not in the shepherding business for his own gain. He is a shepherd because he knows what is best for the sheep. He makes a way for them. He looks ahead of them, behind them, beside them. He understands the dangers ahead and wants to protect them fully. And above all, Jesus deeply loves and knows the sheep. Because of his unrivaled intimacy, he knows what they need, even before they know what they need. In all, as we look at the passage, we see so many pieces at play. We see that Jesus is defining what it means that he is the gate. Jesus is defining what it means that he is the shepherd. He defines what it means that we are the sheep, and he also defines who the thieves, robbers, wolves, and hired hands are. They all have different roles to play in this narrative, and not all of those roles are good. Jesus makes it clear that every role means something different. He's both inviting his audience to respond to the role that they fall into, but above all, he is inviting every person to see him as the good and true shepherd. So point one, Jesus is the shepherd and the gate. Jesus clearly defines that he is different than the other characters. He is different than the thieves and robbers. He is different than the hired hands. Jesus is not in the business of manipulating the sheep. He freely pours out his love and care and invites them to respond to that. And Jesus' sacrifice reflects his clear commitment to the sheep. He loves the sheep. He calls them by name. There is something very beautiful and powerful in this image of Jesus as shepherd. He goes out of his way to deeply care for the sheep. He is willing to lay down his life for the sheep, no matter what the circumstances are. He is the true security and protection for them. He guides the sheep to the still waters that won't cause them to drown, and he guides them to abundant pastures safe from wolves and enemies. And Jesus is the gate. He is the way God the Father's love is poured out on humanity through his life, his death, and his resurrection. No other ways lead to life, and other ways to pasture lead to danger and not to security and not to wholeness. Jesus doesn't use the image of the gate as a separate entity, but as a further confirmation and definition of what it means that he is the good shepherd. And as Jesus is a shepherd, he has full authority. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. By, but his authority, unlike the false shepherds, is good and trustworthy. He is the Messiah. He is the son of God and the son of man, and he knows what is best for the sheep. The sheep don't know what is best for them. The good shepherd knows what is best for them. Point two, the shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep know him. Jesus knows his sheep. And I want to emphasize that because he knows his sheep. And not only that, but the sheep know him. They know his voice. And in a similar way, Jesus longs for his followers to learn to respond to his voice every single day. 
The sheep are loved by the shepherd, and Jesus, the good shepherd, wants the sheep to know and dwell in this truth that they are loved by him. He wants them to know that they can find security and life and freedom in him. And the good shepherd casts out the lies of the false shepherds that lead the sheep to believe that they are alone, that they are unprotected. And point three, there is one flock and one shepherd. Jesus' invitation is for Jews and Gentiles alike to respond. This invitation is for all people to respond to the truth that he is the good shepherd. And his invitation for his listeners is not only for the listeners to cling to him as the good shepherd, but he is compelling his listeners to go out and proclaim that he is the good shepherd to all. And listening to the shepherd's voice is understanding who he is and understanding how to obey his guidance. If we don't listen to the good shepherd, it's impossible for us to obey. It's impossible for us to know what is good for us. It is impossible for us to know what we need. And the sheep are not misguided when they dwell in the guidance of the good shepherd. And there's an invitation for the sheep to differentiate between the voices of the false shepherds and the one good shepherd. And this is Jesus' invitation for us to be unified as the body of Christ. Jewish believers, Jewish believers and Gentile believers living in one sheepfold under Christ's leadership. So every tongue and every nation dwelling in one sheepfold under the, in the name of Christ. So friends, we as sheep need to be shepherded. I love the image of this passage. As we look at this passage, we're reminded that sheep in the Middle Eastern context weren't very smart. And not just in the Middle Eastern context, but if you were to go to a farm in rural Illinois, I think you could figure that out quite quickly. (laughs) They aren't very smart and they need guidance. Because without guidance, they led themselves to predators and often to death by drowning. The sheep don't know what they need on their own, just like we don't know what we need on our own. And I'm speaking from my experience. The sheep although they may not realize it at the time, need the good shepherd. Because sometimes the sheep don't recognize that they need the good shepherd, but friends, they need the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the lifeline of the sheep. Without him, they would endure manipulation, exploitation, and death. Sheep are meek animals, and they need intentional guidance and direction. And they need to be trained to respond to the shepherd's voice. Friends, we are the sheep. We often think our ways are the best ways, when in reality, we don't always see the best picture. When we try to reach the pastures on our own, we are either attacked by enemies or weighed down by rushing waters. And we need to know that we can go to the good shepherd, and we need to know that all sheep in the sheepfold receive what they need in the arms of the good shepherd. Point two, Jesus invites us into intimacy with him that offers us true security. Jesus wants what is best for the sheep, but he also wants a relationship with them. He wants them to know that they are known by him. He wants them to know he meets every need and desire. He wants them to know that his plans are better than their plans. Their identity isn't in finding the freshest water in the greenest pasture. Their identity is in the good shepherd. And the sheep cannot respond to the good shepherd unless they know his voice. They need to be trained to respond to his voice. And in order to be trained, they need to spend time with the good shepherd. Otherwise, they won't recognize his voice in their lives. And similarly, we need to spend extensive time with Jesus in order to respond to his voice in our lives. Point three, 
Sheep can't shepherd and love others without the good shepherd. Without the good shepherd, the sheep have no sense of where to go. They have no sense of what they need. As if we look back at the first illustration that I shared, the group of sheep didn't know where to go, and they followed each other. And the sheep in the illustration um, that was apart from the group knew the good shepherd, so we saw that the sheep responded to the good shepherd. And that's similar, right? Because I think it's so easy for us to follow the crowd, follow the ways of the world, when we are invited to cling to the good shepherd. It's so easy for false shepherds, thieves, and robbers to mislead the sheep and lead them to places that don't produce abundance in life if the sheep aren't clinging to the good shepherd. And if the sheep cannot receive what they need, they cannot guide and help others in the flock. And Jesus wants us all as sheep to understand this invitation. So I am going to share a personal story from my own life. All of my life, I have known the truth about who Jesus is and how he ushers us into new life. However, even though I have been a Christian almost all my life, since I was nine years old, there was a crucial point for me in my faith journey of going from knowing God loves me in my head to knowing that Jesus loves me in my heart. In my first moment of hearing God's voice, I was reminded that I belong to him. I was reminded that I cannot do life without Jesus as my good shepherd. I was reminded that in order to pursue the good plan that the Lord has for my life, I need to say yes to fully listening to him and abiding in him. Because only Jesus leads me to green pastures and still waters. I cannot do that on my own. In every season of my life, I have been reminded time and time again that the truths of Jesus as my good shepherd reach depth in every season of following him. If only I respond to his invitation to be with him. As I recognize my deep longing and need for him, I humble myself in his presence and I ask for his help. I bring myself, my brokenness, my cracked pieces, honestly and vulnerably to him. And as a result, I experience his deep transformation that equips me to bring his light and his love to other people. Because, friends, the way Morgan loves on her own can be saturated in pride and control, envy, stubbornness. When I love out of my own strength, I can be like the hired hands in the passage, shepherding for benefits, praise, approval, people-pleasing. But when I love out of knowing I am deeply loved by Jesus, when I love out of my deep love and my passion for him, my love is freed from my brokenness. When I pour out of this place, my love radiates the wholeness and light that Jesus has designed me for. The more I go into his presence and seek his guidance, the more I live out his purpose and plans for my life, the more I am obedient to his call to surrender, the more I am obedient to when he tells me no, which is not easy, but I find on the other side of no is a beautiful yes that I need. And the more secure, confident, and steady I become in knowing he gives me everything I need, the more I draw near to him. Friends, I am the sheep from the illustration I shared earlier. There are many voices demanding my attention. There are hired hands and wolves that try to keep me from the good shepherd. I often think I can reach green pastures and still waters on my own, but I can't because I cannot see beyond my own sheepfold because... I often think my plan is the best plan, but my plan is never the best plan. God's plan is the best plan. And when I lean on the good shepherd, I find true security. I find new life. 
I'm reminded that Jesus is the only one who satisfies. Nothing else satisfies. And as I cling on to the good shepherd, I more and more taste that and see that Jesus has a good and beautiful plan for my life. The more I see that the story Jesus is writing with my life is greater than any story I could ever write on my own. Because, friends, I don't always see the wolves and the hired hands on the other side. In my life, I don't always see the rushing waters. Sometimes I think, oh, if I say yes to this relationship, it's best for me. Sometimes I think, oh, if I walk down this road, this is what's best for me. Sometimes I think, oh, if I, if I am everything for everyone, that is what's best for me. But then God shows me I can't do it apart from him. I can do nothing apart from him. And I am reminded that the good shepherd keeps me from drowning. The good shepherd is the one who delivers me from my pride. And I share pride because that is one of my biggest struggles. And I need to be humbled every single day because I need to be reminded that Jesus is everything. And Jesus is worth everything. And he calls me to say yes to him in a new way every single day. Because without the good shepherd, I will drown. I will be attacked by wolves because when I stay within the arms of the good shepherd, I am safe and secure. I am safe from the lies and the attacks of the enemy. As someone whose full-time job is to shepherd and equip college students to follow Jesus with their full lives, it is so important for me to be shepherded in order to shepherd. Otherwise, I have nothing to give other people. As Jesus is bringing new life into my heart and life, I have the joy of inviting college students into the wholeness and healing I have experienced with the Good Shepherd. And when I am shepherded by the Good Shepherd, I am equipped to lead my students to say yes to the greatest love that they will ever experience. The greatest love that I have ever known and they will ever know. So friends, some of you may be like the people of Israel in the passage. You may have spent your life following thieves, false shepherds, robbers, or hired hands. You may be in a place of trying to find the pastures on your own. But so far, these pathways have been suffocating for you. Or maybe you find yourself in the footsteps of the Pharisees. Maybe you believe you know the way to green pastures. I don't know about you, but I think I can be like the Pharisees sometimes. Sometimes I think I know the way to green pastures. But every time you have tried finding the pathway on your own, you have been left burnt out and purposeless. Or maybe you feel like the sheep without a shepherd. You feel stuck because you don't believe you can trust the shepherd. You believe nobody cares about your life and flourishing. You don't believe there is a shepherd who truly cares about you, calls you by name, and loves you unconditionally. Friends, Jesus is the door to abundant life. He invites us to chase after him in a fresh way. He invites us to recognize the ways our narratives about ourselves and the Father have been skewed by false teachers. He invites us to recognize we cannot find pastures without him. We cannot find life without him. He invites us to recognize we cannot love and live faithfully without him. While the wolves, thieves, robbers, and hired hands are only in the business of shepherding for themselves, Jesus is our good shepherd because he so deeply loves us and loves all the people that we are connected with. He truly cares about the sheep. He knows them. He loves them. He longs to lead them into green pastures. And Jesus brings us true, real, and beautiful life and hope. 
he calls us by name. He brings deep healing into our broken world and our, and our broken selves. He enters into our stories, our suffering, our joy, every piece of who we are and what we do. He doesn't band-aid our circumstances, but he meets us in the darkest pits and the deepest valleys. And he willingly died on the cross in order to fully reconcile us to God the Father. Jesus, fully human and fully God, humbly came to earth to perfectly pour out his story of redemption that we get to respond to every single day. And as Jesus is healing us, we get to invite every person we encounter into this healing, into this new life, into this new freedom. Friends, we are being shepherded in order to shepherd. In order to allow Jesus to shepherd us, we must first go and be with him. Because when we go into his presence, we become more aware of what abundant life means. When we go to Jesus, Jesus takes out old wineskins and brings us new wineskins. When we go to Jesus, he shows us the parts of our hearts and lives that separate us from God and from one another. And then he makes us new. He brings us freedom. He brings us new hope. He brings us new life. And friends, we cannot shepherd on our own. As I shared in my personal story, I have learned in my life that without Jesus, my love is suffocated by my pride and my brokenness. And when the good shepherd leads us to abundant pastures, we are equipped to invite others to follow the good shepherd because we have so much confidence that Jesus is our good shepherd that it's a natural overflow. We bring our transformed selves to our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members who are dejected and brokenhearted and need hope because we have the greatest gift of hope that we get to share always with other people. And friends, when we cling to the good shepherd, we grow in trusting him and clinging to him and being faithful and obedient to him. And then Jesus uses our transformation to bless other people. And we get to share the joy of following Jesus with other people. The more we respond to Jesus, we see how the gospel, the good news of Christ, is a part of everything. We see the gospel in a new way every time we go deeper with Jesus. And I know that's been true of my life. And friends, when we aren't being led by the good shepherd, we are no better than the Pharisees and the false shepherds. So friends, as we close, I want to invite us as a church family, as a church body, to respond together. So I have three questions for us that I want us to consider, and I want to invite you to respond as the Holy Spirit is prompting you today. Number one, do you recognize and respond to the voice of your Good Shepherd? Do you spend time with Jesus? Do you spend time in the word? Do you spend time in prayer? Because if we neglect prayer and being in the word, we get a distorted sense of who Jesus is, and that impacts how we approach him. Number two, do you believe Jesus is trustworthy? In what ways do you need to bring your doubts and questions to him? And number three, how is Jesus inviting you to shepherd others? How is Jesus inviting you to bring new people into the sheepfold of the kingdom of God? So friends, will you go to Jesus? Will you say yes to him being your good shepherd? Because I promise you that yes changes everything. That yes changes our lives, our communities, our world. That yes leads to abundant life. 
that yes takes away the sin that suffocates us and clings to us closely and brings us new life. That yes brings us everything that we need, even when we don't realize it in the moment. That yes has changed lives for generations and generations. And I have witnessed this yes change my life. And I have witnessed this yes bring college students and family members new life, hope, and healing. And I long to see our whole body respond to this together. I long to see our whole body say yes to our good shepherd in a new way. Because I believe no matter how long we've been following Jesus, or if we're investigating that for the first time, Jesus is calling us to a yes. So friends, will you say yes today? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for the reminder that you are everything that we need, that you are our good shepherd. So Lord, I pray as we go forth from this place that we will honestly come to you bringing our baggage, bringing our brokenness, bringing our hurts, bringing our questions. And I just pray, Lord, that we will cling to you in new ways. And I pray that you will take away the barriers in our lives and our hearts that are keeping us from seeing you as the good shepherd because we always have barriers, Lord. We live in a broken world and our, and our lives are enmeshed with brokenness, Lord. So there's always something separating us. So I pray you will just give us a sense of what it means to cling to you and to receive the new life that you have to offer us. And with that, I just pray that you will give us a sense of how you are calling us to live this out and how you are calling us to call others into the sheepfold with us. Lord, we love you and we pray all of this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.